Welcome to the Save Your Marriage by Restoring the Man podcast, dedicated to all the men who are going through marital problems and want to save their marriages, with host Arturo Henriquez and sponsored by The Fortified Spouse. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this podcast. Thank you for being here. Now, it's raining all around me, a very, very uh, big storm. There's some thunder. And so if you hear that in the background, I'm, you know, I, I apologize in advance. I did want to get the podcast out there. Uh, so I didn't want uh, some rain or a storm to de- derail that in any way. So thank you for hanging in there and listening to that if, in fact, you can hear it in the background. Um, anyways, uh, the other day I had a conversation with someone who was telling me how they really thought that they wanted to save their marriage. But over time, they realized that they hadn't been doing much because they hadn't really seen um, much in results, that nothing seemed to shift. Um, and so I asked them the simple question, what have you done? Because the, this person said that they, he had listened to the podcast, read a lot about my program, uh, was in, you know, involved in the Facebook group, and really nothing would shift in his, in his life, in his relationship. So I asked him, you know, what have you done? What did you hear? What did you read? Because reading and hearing alone obviously is not going to get you anywhere. What are your actions? How do you move forward with that? And that's where I think this person was stuck. As we talked a little bit further, I think the reason that they were stuck was because of what we're going to talk about today, which is they weren't really clear on their whys. And this is about back to what really matters. And that's what derails a lot of people, not being clear about what matters in this, not being clear about where they want to move forward to. And so when the crisis keeps going, and I understand that there's a difference between you know, that particular moment that a lot of people talk about as a D-Day or what we call in the Fortified Spouse Program, the gut punch, right? When your spouse voices, uh, I, I'm thinking about getting a divorce or we need a separation or I don't love you anymore, I don't want to keep doing this, I'm having an affair, I didn't think it would be like this, this is not what I signed up for, or any variation of that. You know, All of those pieces rolled together into the D-Day, the gut punch, the detonation point, when you thought everything was at least moving forward, or okay, or stable, or you hit the pause button, and we're waiting to come back from that, and suddenly you realize that things are not that way, that things are in a much, much deeper crisis than you actually knew. And so that's the crisis point. And in the middle of a crisis, we tend to do one of two things. We either freeze or we flail. And when we freeze, we just don't do anything. We just are frozen like a deer in headlights. But flailing is when we kind of flail around trying to get away. Part of what we're trying to do is find a way past the crisis. And here's the problem. Crisis becomes chronic very quickly. Sure, it's a crisis still overall, but it feels very chronic. It's like I woke up yesterday feeling pretty rotten about how the relationship was and feeling like I wanted to do something. Today, I woke up again feeling kind of rotten, but now I'm exhausted. And I don't know whether I can even take action or not. That's the place where the crisis can cause doubt. And that's the chronic part about a crisis. It can cause despair and hopelessness that we don't know how to move forward. Those are paralyzing pieces. 
And what they trigger in many people is a give up response. You just go like, it's not even worth it. And this is where the relationship really can, can pivot. And one pivot is towards working on things and stabilizing the crisis and getting focused and making sure that you're following a program, a plan, arranging the pieces of the puzzle on how to connect with a spouse, your wife, and how to change yourself and create a new path. And you have to do that by being calm, constant, consistent, confident, and taking courageous action. But when you hit the give up response, nothing happens. You just give up. One person recently told me that they had you know, reached that place of giving up. In fact, they found that all they were doing was going to work and then going to bed. There was nothing else going on in life. Not only that, but it was too tempting to escape into either mindless shows on TV or endless cups of wine uh, that they were having in the evening, the glasses of wine that just kept refilling. And in the process, they realized that days were passing and then weeks were passing and then a month and a half had passed and nothing had changed in their approach to the relationship. But the relationship itself had begun to deteriorate even further. And that's the nature of the give up response. So we have to, you know, we have to have some way of talking back to that give up response. So just for a moment, without trying to bring too much fear into this, I want to get us focused on why does this matter? What's important about this? Because I want you to be clear about what is the end point of all of this in saving a marriage? Why save a marriage? Why go through that? Why not just say, hey, it hurts too much. I'll just numb it down. I'll just hide from this. I'll wait for it to pass. I'll hunker down and wait for the crisis to get better. And yet it doesn't. And here's the why. The first thing is the ripple effect. A lot of times people reduce the divorce to the two of them, to the two individuals involved in the relationship, two people going their separate ways. See, my childhood was marked with my uncles and my aunts doing multiple marriages and divorces, and then two of those families having multiple kids affected by it. And I saw my older brother also go through a divorce. I saw the effect. I saw the pain. I saw the way it tore the families apart. And I realized it had very little in the end to do with just those two people. Because sure, if there are two people that have no other relationships, if they were in a vacuum and they were, you know, they, they were in an island and they went their separate ways, it only affects the two of them. But that's not the case. It never is. I noticed the effect it had on my cousins. I noticed the effect it had on my parents watching their siblings go through that. I noticed the effect it had on us. I noticed the effect it had on uh, their, their, you know, my children. I noticed the effect it had on my grandparents. Uh, trying to figure out how to be a part of the family that was being pulled apart and what to do with their allegiances. And, and, my, and my mother, uh, the same way uh, with my brother. What I didn't know is, you know, that's on the family front. And that's, you know, very deep and hard and lasting, you know, long lasting for a lifetime. But what I didn't know, what I didn't see were the, the, the social effects, the effects that were happening outside of the family, you know, the, with their friends, with their colleagues, their social event, the, the, the churches, their community, 
because everywhere there was an anchor point with that person, with one of those people. The ripple effect is pretty immediate with the kids. One of the things kids need is a very stable idea of what family is and who is family. And in a divorce, everything they've always known about family is suddenly blown apart. That's a major, major ripple effect. Lots of people, as they're deciding to get divorced, look for research that will back them up that the kids will be okay. They'll seek out other people that have gone through divorce, you know, just to reassure them that the kids will be okay. Now, let me be very clear. Kids can be okay and still be affected by something. In other words, children are resilient enough that as adults, they'll move through it. It's not going to stop them very often. Sometimes it's very detrimental, but a lot of the times it's just for them a disruption. They've got to figure out what to do. That doesn't mean it has no effect. I've got cousins who are very successful, and yet at the same time, I watch that they are still caught up in the web of family relationships. I watch others as they go through the divorce, and the kids have major effects. In premarital counseling, one of the big pieces that has many couples concerned about getting married was that their parents had not stayed married. In other words, they had become defensive about the possibility of a marriage, a marriage even happening. In fact, a lot of people who say, I'm just not going to get married because I saw what happened with my parents. In other words, while they were functional in their life and while they were doing fine in lots of different ways, that doesn't mean they were unaffected by what they experienced. Somewhere along the way, there was a disruption. Then there's the grandparents who are not sure how to relate to these people, to the ex, to the ex's family, how to relate with the fact that the kids are now in a different place. So I'll watch the parents of, getting, of people getting divorced, not just the kids, but now the parents. And also you watch the community, not sure what to do. People aren't sure which friends to hold on to, which ones they have to let go of, and where they belong and where they no longer belong. And sometimes it goes down to even the way they did activities together, and suddenly they have to find different ways of being. That's a large ripple effect, right? So the first one is the social ripple effect that rips through the family and also through your, you know, your friends. Um, the second one is the emotional impact. Most people think that if they're getting a divorce, what they're moving towards is feeling better. Getting out of that crisis, getting out of the hurt and the pain. And they underestimate how painful it is to go through that process. When the court system puts a versus between two people's names, they mean it. It's oppositional. It's you against me. And as much as I've talked about how we need to come together as a we in order to save a relationship, in, in some ways, even if you never quite make it there, you're, you're pulling that state apart. You're pulling, you're pulling that promise apart. So the emotional impact is much, much higher than most people estimate. When you underestimate the future pain, thinking that it's going to feel better to get out of the present pain, you kind of lose on the equation. Instead of going, hey, you know what? We're in pain right now. Let's figure out a way through the pain. They say, well, I'm just going to get away from this pain which doesn't get them away from the pain. And therefore, the emotional impact is pretty extreme. The pain is long-lasting. It's sometimes everlasting. A lot of people try to under, you know, understate that, a lot of divorced people. 
But if you really talk with them, they're in a lot of pain, a lot of hurt from the process of divorce. The third thing that happens is that people get infected with a fear of failure. They ask the question, if I didn't succeed here, where else am I going to fail in life? See, sometimes that infects them, that affects them in other relationships, in their parenting role, in their work role. They had the feeling that they, they made this promise and if they, could, you know, they couldn't keep it there, they couldn't keep their primary relationship alive, what does it mean about the rest of their life? And that might work at a very deep subconscious level. And it cripples them in many ways, many times. It's not everybody, but many people are haunted, brought by this fear of failure for the rest of their lives. And how contagious it could be because it's not kept in one place. It begins to spread and infect other areas of their lives. The fourth big piece is the question of why does this matter? Well, we live in a culture that says that things are disposable. And when people decide to work on their relationship, they're countering the culture of disposal. They're countering the culture that says, hey, if it's not working for you, bail, throw it away, get rid of it. Yes, I know that you promised to stay together forever at the wedding, but don't worry about that. Just dispose of it. That's where our culture is. That's where our culture has gotten, not just in important relationships, relationships overall and so when people decide that it matters to work on the relationship they're also running counter to that culture of discard which is always a lose situation for anybody involved short term medium term and long term now the fifth thing that i would point to is that people truly underestimate the real financial cost the true cost of divorce First, you have the legal costs. That's direct and that's immediate. If you're not familiar, in the United States, the cost of divorce on average is somewhere between you know, fifteen to 30000 depending on which place in the socioeconomic status you are. You know, fifteen to 30000 looks very high when you think, well, the, the attorney only asked for 1000 2000 maybe 3000 as a retainer. What you don't realize is that's only the down payment because generally the average cost it's fifteen to 30000 if not more. Again, depending on where you are socioeconomically. Now, that's the first cost, but that's not the only cost. There's the asset loss. Retirements are cut in half. Houses are cut in half. Living potential. The money that we have to live day-to-day lives, our daily income is cut in half. So suddenly, many households become two households to support with half of the income coming into each one plus the asset pool suddenly is halved. That has a long-term, if not lifetime effect. The, the next loss is time loss. The time loss in being in emotional pain. The time loss in actually taking care of the legal process. The time lost in, in taking care of all the other pieces that are unraveling, that, you know, something that is very complicated and emotional to unravel. Right And time, I mean, divorces can last years. There's a huge, significant time loss that doesn't end. You also have a time loss with kids. If you have kids, when you start dividing that out, then now you're not going to have easy access. Guys, those are real costs. That's why it matters. The other is the emotional cost, which I've already said 
has been underestimated. But to understand that, that there is a cost to that, you only have so much emotional energy. And it, if it is sucked away in one area, it's lost from other areas. And divorces tend to be ongoing for a number of years before you get to the place of back to recover, you know, recovery, whatever that, whatever that is. That's why this matters. Those are just some of the overarching practical costs. But there's a bigger one that I want to talk about because it really sums up what you do about everything we just discussed. What does it matter to have a why? I consider the shift to why to be a crucial piece of motivating and empowering your efforts. You need to know why you're doing this. So I ask the question, why are you doing this? Why? And I want you to do a simple exercise to get to that place. So to ask yourself, why, you know, what is my why? To do that, we start with an overall approach. What are the 10 or 20 reasons why you are doing this? And so just pull out a piece of paper after you've listened to this podcast. And if you're walking or exercising or driving, wait until you've got a piece of paper. But I want you to think about writing down your reasons why you want to save your relationship. And I want you to dig down, dig deep. The first ones are going to come super easy. And the reason I want you to do, you know, 15 to 20 is it's going to make you dig deep. It's going to make you really isolate the big ones. And sometimes you want to ask multiple times on a why. Question your whys. Get more granular. So let's say I were to ask you, why do you want to save your relationship? And you would say, because I don't want to end up divorced. Why don't you want to end up divorced? Well, because I lived in a family where there is divorce. Why is it important that, why did that cost, you know, what did that cause for you? Why? Well, I know how painful it was to lose my idea of being in a family. Well, why was that so painful? Because I had come, you know, I'd come to count on something and I lost that. Well, why does that matter? Because I don't want my kids to have the same thing. So you can drill down on the whys. So the big thing here is, just to kind of brainstorm, dig deep. When you get to five, keep going. When you get to 10, keep going. When you finally get to 15, and I hope you get to 20, and you ask, you know, you have no more, then I think you're good because we're not going to keep all of those. We only want a few. I want you to now go back and cross the ones off that are fear-based. Fear-based is usually about what you're going to lose. I'm going to lose half of the income. I'm going to lose half of the assets. I'm going to lose half of my time with, or time with my kids. But I'm going to lose time with my kids. I'm going to lose part of my family. I'm going to lose a community that I love. I'm going to lose friends out of this. Those are losses. Once you cross off all of those fear-based, then you come up with a whole other set. Now, the ones before are fear-based. Because you can always make new friends. You can always make more assets. You can always have make more income, right? The fear of losing those aren't overarching. They're not, they're not going to drive you to dig deeper, right? This whole other set will. And those are the big whys. Sometimes the big whys are something like this because, because I made a promise and I want to honor it. You know, that, that is purposeful because I don't want to repeat the history of my family, because I believe it's important to have kids grow up in a family they can count on. Because I believe it's important for a kid to have access to both parents 
at all times. Because I believe that you can work through the tough times as tough as they may be. I believe my wife is worth fighting for. I believe my relationship is worth fighting for. Those are some pretty big whys. You list those out on a piece of paper. Some of them can be very personal because I want to figure out what love means. What true, true love means. I want to figure out what it means to struggle through the tough times. Can you see how those resonate dif- you know, differently with you and how they feel differently in your gut? The fear ones, they get us charged up. And this is, this is the big thing to recognize. They get us charged up initially because they scare us. But over time, what happens is our body does this interesting thing with fear. It gets used to it. Our body adapts. Our mind adapts. Our brain adapts. The chemistry adapts to fear. And at some certain point, that fear loses its power. This is true with every emotion in our life. If we are consistently surrounded by a certain emotion, after a while... It just kind of becomes the background noise. It's no longer the big motivator. It no longer charges you up like it does at the beginning. Now, you can see this in one way. Let's think about when somebody gets a diagnosis from the doctor who says, hey, you know what? If you don't change your life, this is going to happen. That's really scary. And some people find that they react immediately. They start going to the gym and changing their diet and doing some things differently. And then they slowly drift back to the old stuff because it no longer scares them enough and no longer scares them into changing. And so they revert back to the old patterns because they didn't come up with a big why. The why wasn't important. But that same person, if they go, my gosh, if I stay sick, I won't see my kids through college or I won't get to meet my grandchildren or I won't be able to finish this big project. Right? There are so many different pieces, and that's why I think it's so important for you to identify your whys of why you want to restore your relationship, what you want to prove to yourself, to the world, to your spouse, to your family, to your, to your kids, to everyone about why that's so important. You see, in that second answer, you know, that is going to m- motivate you time and time again. So we get rid of all these fear-based ones, and we, re- you know, we keep the ones the big whys. These are the reason why. Now, what do you do with those lists? What do you do with that one list? The fear list, well, you throw that away. Because that, again, as we mentioned, that really doesn't matter. The other list, your big whys, you want to keep it as part of your plan. You want to have it as a reminder when you're in doubt. And this is the thing, no matter how sure you are right now that you want to save your marriage, you want to save your relationship, there will come a day, there will come an hour, there will come a moment, and many times when you wonder if it's worth it, when you doubt yourself, when you doubt whether it's even worth all of the effort, all of the pain, and in those moments, you want a place to fall back on, to rely on, to drop back to. Kind of an analogy to this is that I keep a file of emails and notes from people telling me how much they appreciate my help in, in, in their life, the podcasts, the program, um, whether it's getting them unstuck or getting them to, to move to a, new, to a new place, to a better place, having 
saved their marriage, having saved their relationship. And I hold those back because there are days when it's frustrating to do this work. There are days when it's tough. It's very emotional work. And at the end of the day, I'm not sure if I'm making a big difference. And I kind of always go back to that file and remind myself of the why I do this. And I remember also what it was like for me in my relationship and the big why in my relationship. That's the same kind of thing that I want for you. You need that motivation through the tough times. And there's going to be a lot of tough moments. So embedded in what I just said means that you need a a plan. And I talk about this in other podcasts. You need a program. You need a plan. You cannot wing this. You can't improvise your way into saving your relationship. That is a recipe for failure, right? There's pieces to the puzzle. There's, there's the basic piece of your why. That's, that's going to be your driving force, but you need a plan. In fact, I would say the first page would be your big whys of your plan. The list of reasons why you want to save your relationship that are motivating you, that are pulling you, that speak to your soul, your deepest place, your biggest self, your best self, that call you to, you know, to something better. That is why it's so important. What you're doing matters. That's the important part. What you're doing matters, as tough as it is. And so first of all, make that shift to look back and realize this isn't just about this relationship. This is much bigger than that. Because of all the ripple effects we talked about before, the cost, the emotional aspects that are permanent. Saving a relationship is transforming things in so many ways that have a ripple effect. Just like there's a negative ripple effect, think of the positive ripple effects. Think of the power that it was go- it's going to have on your family, on your children, on your parents, on your brothers and sisters, on her brothers and sisters, on her parents, on your friends, on your colleagues, on your work colleagues, for everyone around you. Wow, look at what happened when you get focused on making a transformation. Think about that. Now, again, the other shift that you have to do is not just your reasons why, but how. You know, we, today we talked about the reasons why, the how you do that. What action are you going to take? What do you do? That's part of, you know, of a system, of a plan. I assure you that no matter how many podcasts you've listened to, you need to have something clear and definitive that is a program, that is a plan. That's how you do this. That's why I put together the Fortified Spouse Program. So whether it's that program or some, something else, there has to be a plan. So you have the pieces in place. The big part, the most important part is the why. Why does this matter? The big thing is to make sure that you get focused on your big whys. The plan is the next step. Thanks again for listening. If you're hurting, if you're lost, If you're in despair, you need to understand what is actually going on. You need to get the tools to become confident, independent of your wife. You need to get the tools to better communicate. You need to get the tools to deal with your emotions. You need to get the tools to manage her reactions. You need to get the tools to deal with your insecurities and your triggers. You need to get the tools to become a better version of yourself. You need to start to make decisions that are empowered instead of disempowered. So if you're facing decisions, if you're facing this anxiety, 
What do I do? How do I respond when my wife is being toxic? I don't know what to do. My wife doesn't love me. I don't know what to do. My wife is cheating on me. I don't know what to do. She wants a separation or a divorce. I don't know what to do. Well, we can help you find those answers and give you those tools. Now, if you're interested in learning more about these tools, how to stabilize the marriage, how to postpone and delay the divorce or separation so you can work on yourself and save your marriage, how to start making changes to you, how to start building confidence, how to start being an empathetic listener, how to communicate, how to build trust, how to change your context, how to build desire, and so many other things you need to do to become a better man, to become a better husband, to become a better father, to save your marriage, to win your wife back, then I invite you to take part in the Fortified Spouse Program. Go to fortifiedspouse.com and enroll in the program. The program is going to change your life. It's going to make you a better man. It's going to restore the man in you, and it's going to save your marriage. This is Arturo Henriquez, and thank you for listening. You have been listening to the podcast, Save Your Marriage by Restoring the Man. For further information, visit the Fortified Spouse at www.fortifiedspouse.com. Thank you.